Welcome to the April 11th, 2019 edition of the Crypto.IQ Daily Radio Show, where we do a deep dive market analysis every day and cover the biggest stories in the Bitcoin and crypto space. This is your host, Space Marine Live from Space. The Bitcoin market has been quite dramatic over the last day. Yesterday afternoon, around 2 or 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Bitcoin finally rose above that $5,300 to $5,400 resistance level. It went as high as 54.40, and it really appeared for a moment that this stubborn resistance level had finally been knocked out. This is the fourth time that Bitcoin had tested this level within less than two weeks. But lo and behold, several hours later, around 4 or 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Bitcoin crashed and went below $5,300. So this was really surprising, actually. The crypto market predictably began to rally a lot, like all the major cryptocurrencies began to rise up into the green. But then, only a few hours later, it was cut off, and everything began to go into the red, and it's only accelerated since then. Around 7 a.m. this morning, Eastern Time, Bitcoin went as low as $5,000, and it actually happened only a few minutes ago. Right now, it's about 10 a.m. Eastern Time, and Bitcoin is right there at 5000 But right now, it's at 5050 maybe 5040 It's trying to gain a little bit, but, you know, zooming out just slightly, it's having a hard time getting over 5050 right now. So this teaches us an important lesson that you got to wait several hours, maybe even longer before declaring that a resistance level is broken because yesterday afternoon when Bitcoin spiked really quick, like that was definitely a short squeeze, which is the common way that we wipe out resistance levels. Basically, when there's a layer of short positions, like if some of the short positions start to get closed, that requires buying Bitcoin to close the short out and then Bitcoin's price rises, it causes more shorts to close and it it's a rapid feedback loop that takes place within an hour or two where Bitcoin's price rapidly rises. So we had a short squeeze. That's usually what wipes out a resistance level. But then even though we took out the resistance level for a couple hours, it came right back and it it's still there. So $5,300 to $5,400 is still that resistance level that's critical to watch. But simultaneously, now Bitcoin's near $5,000. So we're not in striking distance anymore. We're going to have to see some significant gains to even get close to that resistance level again and then to challenge it again. Uh, I'm looking at the depth chart, which shows like all the orders on Bitstamp, and it appears there's pretty good support around $4,800. So if this bearish sentiment continues today, we could be heading right back to 4800 a little lower. To be specific, it's around like 4780 That's where you got this big support in the order book on Bitstamp. So that might be where traders are expecting Bitcoin to go down to today if this bearish sentiment continues. And this is kind of the way the crypto market works. When Bitcoin makes a move, whether it's upward or downwards, usually all the other major cryptos follow and they move even more extremely than Bitcoin does. So the fact that Bitcoin fell overnight, uh, especially since like 2 or 3 p.m. yesterday afternoon when it was at like 54.40 down to like 5,040 where it is now, $400 loss, that's a pretty big loss. And the other cryptos have responded even more drastically. Ethereum is down 9.2%. It's at $164. So Bitcoin's down 4.5% for reference. And now we have Ethereum is down 9.2%. And it's even more down because this is a 24-hour change. The change since 2 p.m. in the afternoon is much more extreme than this, actually. Uh, so remember, I'm just talking about 24-hour changes, not the changes since 2 p.m. when the market hit its peak. The changes since then are even more extreme. Ripple is down 7.5%. EOS is down 10.3%. It has fallen below that $5 billion market cap, below its ICO value. Litecoin is down 11.5%. And like I talked about yesterday, Litecoin and EOS have been 
flip-flopping from that number four spot on coin market cap. And now EOS is back in number four, while Litecoin is in number five now because Litecoin went down a little more than EOS. Bitcoin Cash down 11%, $269. And by the way, Litecoin's at $78. And Bitcoin Cash was at $335 actually during the peak of this rally. So, you know, there's been significant losses actually since the peak of the rally. But that being said, you zoom out a bit, everything's still seen significant gains uh, since the rally started on like April 2nd or so. Bitcoin was below $4,200. Now it's still near like 5050 and this is bearish. So that's the good news. You know, just zoom out. You can see how much we went up in less than two weeks. Binance coin is down 8%, $17. We're still expecting to hear about that Binance DEX launching, uh, but they haven't announced it yet. It's supposed to launch in April and that should cause a Binance coin rally. Stellar is down 9.5%. Cardano is down 8.6%. Tron, down 13.7%, one of the biggest losers of the day. Bitcoin SV, down 10.1%, near $72. Monero, down 10.2%. Dash, down 9.2%. IOTA, down 8.6%. And then we head down to Dogecoin, down 8.7%. So, this indicates it's very bearish today on the market, and that might drag Bitcoin down further. In the same way when Bitcoin rallies and then everything else rallies way more, like sometimes you'll see Bitcoin rally 5%, and then the other cryptos start to rally like 10 or 20%. That's what happened during this rally a little less than two weeks ago, the major rally we saw. Um, in that same way, when Bitcoin drops like 5% and then everything else goes down 10%, that's probably going to indicate that Bitcoin will drop some more. And I'm seeing this real support level run. A little less than $4,800. So that's probably where we're heading. If this bearish sentiment continues throughout the day. The total crypto market cap took a big hit because of uh, the losses since yesterday afternoon. Around 2 or 3 p.m. yesterday when Bitcoin was at its highest, around 5440 the total crypto market cap hit $186 billion. That was a new high for 2019. That's 86% above the bear market low because the bear market low is $100 billion. But since then, the total crypto market cap has declined to $170 billion. Right now, it's actually near $171 billion because Bitcoin has crawled up to 5050 instead of 5000 But overall, we have lost roughly $15 billion in the total crypto market cap in less than 24 hours. So that's a pretty heavy loss. But simultaneously, the total crypto market cap is still $23 billion above where it was before this big rally started less than two weeks ago. So to sum up the market analysis, we didn't get that bull breakout that we wanted. It almost happened yesterday afternoon, but the bears came back and reminded us that we're still in a bear market. Like I've said, uh, the bottom is probably in. The bottom was probably $3,100, but the bear market is not over. In fact, the technical bear market, like how they actually calculated on the stock market, is 20% below the peak price. So technically, this bear market is not going to be over until we hit $16,000 if you use official definitions of a bear market. And that might be the reality. We might have to like have a serious rally to get that high before you can say, okay, the bear market's over. All right, moving on to the first interesting story of the day. So Coinbase has launched a debit card, but it's only in the United Kingdom, first off. So this is not available in the United States, unfortunately, even though most of Coinbase's customers are in the United States. But at least in the United Kingdom, if you have a Coinbase account, you could actually instantly convert your cryptocurrency for purchases with your debit card. So let's say you have like $1,000 of Bitcoin and you go to the store and you buy like a $500 TV. You swipe the card just like a normal debit card. It's a Visa. So this is pretty amazing news that, you know, Visa has actually teamed up with Coinbase and they're instantly converting cryptocurrency. That's what Coinbase does. Visa is not converting the crypto, but Coinbase is instantly converting the cryptocurrency into fiat. Basically, they sell it for you. 
but it's like instant. The second you swipe your card, it instantly sells your cryptocurrency for Great Britain pounds, in this case, GBP. That's the native currency of uh, the United Kingdom. And yeah, you could buy anything you want with your cryptocurrency. And that's been a much needed link for the crypto world. There's been several cryptocurrencies that have promised to do this. The most um, prominent one that I remember is Monaco, which is now called Crypto.com. Literally, they named the cryptocurrency Crypto.com because at first Monaco was going to have this crypto debit card, but then it like totally failed, just like all the other crypto debit card ICOs. So back during the ICO boom, there were several companies that got lots of ICO funding uh, from promising a crypto debit card because the crypto space really desires a crypto debit card because if there's a crypto debit card, then you can use your Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies to buy any product in the world at actual retail stores. And that's like a missing link for cryptocurrency adoption. So this is actually pretty big news that we're seeing this from Coinbase and Visa combined. Even though it's only in the United Kingdom, maybe if it goes really well there, it'll happen in the United States. Of course, there might be regulatory issues or something with the U.S., but maybe eventually we'll see this in the United States. I'm just speculating. But anyways, back to the other crypto debit cards to finish that story. So Monaco and 10X were the biggest ICOs for crypto debit cards. Both of them failed. They ended up being kind of like scams. Um, some people could say it's not really their fault because the regulators literally just wouldn't allow it. So both 10X and Monaco raised, like I think, tens of millions of dollars. Each of them raised that much money uh, in order to create a crypto debit card system. Both of them failed. And actually, Monaco changed its name to Crypto.com. And now, basically, they use their ICO money to buy Crypto.com. And that's kind of like their brand now. And they have like an exchange on their website. But, yeah, they're not using crypto debit cards anymore, even though that's one of their goals. It seems like Coinbase actually beat everyone to the punch and launched a real crypto debit card, which is surprising. Because people literally invested tens of millions of dollars into ICOs for crypto debit cards. And then those ICOs couldn't do it. But now Coinbase has just done it without an ICO or anything. Uh, so this is pretty big news. If we see crypto debit cards proliferate worldwide, that could be like the missing link for uh, cryptocurrency adoption. That could help Bitcoin really a lot. If people could literally take their Bitcoin holdings, like, for example, if someone invests in Bitcoin in order to make money from Bitcoin going up, and then they're able to spend their profits, like, instantly at any store for, like, food and stuff, then people would be a lot more willing to invest in Bitcoin. Because the way it is now, if someone's investing in Bitcoin and it goes up, they can, like, you know, sell their Bitcoin for cash, uh, and then, I guess, buy stuff at the store, sell Bitcoin and put it in their bank account, and they can kind of do it themselves and put it on their debit card. Like, you could use Coinbase to sell your Bitcoin and then, you know, have the money in your bank account. But that actually takes several days. So it's not an instant process if you're trying to cash out your profits from Bitcoin. Like, for example, over the past two weeks, Bitcoin went up a lot. Some people made a lot of money, but it would still take like several days, maybe up to a week to get that profits back into your bank account if you were selling it. And that's not so convenient. In this case, someone could make profits on Bitcoin within an hour. Let's say Bitcoin spikes for just an hour. They could run to the store and buy a TV with their profits instantly with a crypto debit card. So this would really help increase adoption, and at least it's in the United Kingdom, and we could hope it will spread to the rest of the world too. Moving on to the next story. We talked about yesterday how Bitstamp, which is like one of the biggest Bitcoin exchanges in the world, in fact, it's the Bitcoin exchange I use uh, to monitor Bitcoin's price. So whenever I'm talking about Bitcoin's price on the show or in my market analysis on Crypto.IQ, I'm using Bitstamp prices because it's one of the biggest exchanges in the world. Well, they got their New York Bit license, and the New York Bit license is very hard to get. It allows cryptocurrency companies 
to trade cryptocurrency in the state of New York, it's very hard to get this. So I think 22 companies have gotten it so far in like the five years or more that it's existed. At first, it seems like New York was banning Bitcoin when the bit license came out, but ultimately they started to approve major cryptocurrency companies. Well, Bittrex applied for the New York bit license and they're actually under a safe harbor agreement because a major company that's like taking this seriously can apply for a New York bit license, but during the time their application is being reviewed, uh, they could continue to trade in the state of New York as long as they do everything by the book. So Bittrex was uh, open in the state of New York until right now. Uh, Bittrex's application was denied by New York, so Bittrex did not receive the New York bit license. And Bittrex is a fairly major cryptocurrency exchange. It kind of started as a small exchange back when I started in the crypto space. It was like, that was back in 2014. And Bittrex was kind of small, but also very popular because it had like all the cryptos listed. It was definitely one of the more wild west places where you could trade like the smallest altcoin and make rapid profits off a small altcoin jumping, even during the bear market back then. Well, anyways, Bittrex became pretty big now. Just like any of the small exchanges that existed in 2014, if they survived to see the big rally in 2017 they all became huge so bittrex is now a pretty big company and they were trying to get the new york bit license but apparently new york says for multiple reasons and i'll read them that they are not giving bittrex a new york bit license so they say they have inadequate uh, aml compliance which is anti-money laundering uh, inadequate internal policies procedures and controls Lack of qualification or effectiveness of the compliance officer, lack of adequate training of employees, inadequate independent testing of the program, inadequate customer due diligence, and inadequate capital. So maybe that's the biggest one. So Bittrex has not indicated its agreements to comply with the department's capital requirement. And I believe if you want a New York bit license, it's kind of like a money transmitter license. You got to keep a lot of money with the state of New York as a reserve in order to protect customers. And that's one of the most controversial points of the New York bit license um, because literally no Bitcoin dealer on this earth, even if they were approved for the license, they could not do the capital requirement. It's a lot of money. So Bittrex wasn't even willing to put their money with the state of New York. So that's probably actually the main thing. You can read all those other stuff and say, okay, inadequate this, inadequate that. But I think it comes down to money. They were not willing to put money with the state of New York as a reserve. That's probably the main thing. And ironically, that's like the smallest section. So this is like a five-page document rejecting Bittrex. From the New York bit license and then the one that's probably the most important in reality only has like a sentence while all these other inadequate complaints have like big paragraphs or multiple paragraphs and they're also saying they have inadequate due diligence in launching tokens or products and yeah in general bittrex was like a center of the ico craze like uh, small coins go on bittrex almost immediately at least back in the day and even now if there's any real ico i bet they'd end up a bittrex so uh, the state of New York has issued a cease and desist order to Bittrex, and that was on April 1st, or no, actually um, April 11th. So April 11th, which is today, Bittrex must immediately cease operating in New York, and they're never allowed to do business in New York probably ever again. I don't think they're going to be able to you know, get this license. So at least for now, they're not going to be in the state of New York, and they got to issue a letter back to the state of New York stating that they blocked all the New York customers. This, of course, opens up a serious uh, problem for Bittrex, perhaps. I'm just speculating because cryptocurrency people are known to use VPNs and, like, hide their IP addresses. And, you know, they could say, even if they're in New York, they could say, hey, I'm in, like, you know, North Carolina or something. And they could just have a VPN that says they're in North Carolina but actually be in New York. 
So there's stuff like that that happens. So Bittrex has to get really serious right now about blocking people in the state of New York, and it might not be feasible. And this is a major problem with this sort of, um, you know, banning a certain region. Because if New York State really wants to go after Bittrex, and I'm just speculating, they can have an undercover agent uh, sign up for Bittrex, and they probably will test that out. That's just part of it. Uh, they could have someone in the state of New York working for them sign up for Bittrex, and then they would have a huge case against Bittrex. Hopefully that doesn't happen. I'm just speculating, but Bittrex has to really ban New York users very hard right now, and that's unfortunate. New York's a really big state. I believe it has tens of millions of people that are all banned from using Bittrex right now. So that's a big hit for Bittrex, but it's not that big of a deal. When you zoom out and you see the whole world, the only way this could be a problem is, like I said, if Bittrex doesn't actually do everything they can to ban New York users, then they could be susceptible to an undercover attack, pretty much, from the police trying to, you know, log into Bittrex and make a trade. Well, that's all speculation, but we've seen stuff like that in the past. Like, a lot of um, exchanges around the world have been hit with undercover police. Like, uh, I remember one was in the Marshall Islands, and, yeah, it was, like, a really popular exchange over there. It was, like, one bit something, and... An undercover police officer from the United States uh, signed in, did some trades, and then they shut down the whole exchange. So, yeah, that's always a risk, actually, when you start banning certain regions. It's not so easy to ban New York. Moving on to the next story. So Julian Assange, which is the founder of WikiLeaks and one of the most controversial people in the world. And WikiLeaks is basically this place that releases, like, highly confidential information to reveal conspiracies and corruption in the government. So, of course, the government really hates WikiLeaks, and they've been trying to arrest Julian Assange for, like, 10 years now, pretty much. And WikiLeaks has actually been important since the early days of Bitcoin, in a way, at least it's in the historical record. It was, like, the first internet company or anything of any sort to actually adopt Bitcoin. So this was back in the very early days of Bitcoin. Uh, WikiLeaks began to accept Bitcoin as a donation mechanism. And that's because Bitcoin is anonymous and secure because people donating to WikiLeaks could literally end up on a list, maybe. I'm just speculating, but WikiLeaks is really controversial. So, like, if someone would take their money and donate it to WikiLeaks with a credit card or something, their name would be on the donation, and, you know, that might get tracked and not be a good thing. But Bitcoin represented a way that WikiLeaks could get money while their customers or, you know, the people that supported them could be totally safe and not discovered. And just like the past, that continues to this day. Uh... They have raised $15,000 of Bitcoin, I believe, in recent years. So there's been a continuous stream of Bitcoin donations to WikiLeaks. Not that much overall. Not even enough to defend Julian Assange in court. Because, like I said, he has been arrested. And he actually faces, like, espionage charges, which, like, has the penalty of death. Uh, so he was arrested by the police in Great Britain. And he's probably going to get extradited to the United States and face up to the death penalty. And we'll see what happens with that. But anyways, back to the Bitcoin aspect again. I'm looking at his uh, address right now, or the WikiLeaks address for donations. There's literally, like, hundreds of dollars rolling in, like, right now, like, every few minutes. Like, people are donating hundreds of dollars of Bitcoin, like, individual users. There's nothing, like, major, not, like, people donating a whole Bitcoin at once. But up to, like, 0.1 Bitcoin at once, or even a little more. Like, some people are sending $1,000 at once right now. There's, like, a bunch of unconfirmed transactions for, like, thousands of dollars total that are being sent in right now. So, yeah, they're receiving lots of money from Bitcoin. And I just want to talk about Julian Assange's past 10 years just a little bit because it's so interesting. When I saw this story, I looked into it. And he has actually been living in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. So he first got arrested like 10 years ago. 
And this address for Bitcoin has actually been live since then. So he received like a third of this money, like one Bitcoin, uh, back when he got arrested back then. So he was arrested in Great Britain or the United Kingdom. And then he got out on bail. His supporters paid like 300,000 pounds of bail, which is almost like, I think, $500,000 or something like that. And then uh, he jumped his bail. He went to the Ecuadorian embassy and applied for asylum. And they gave him asylum. They gave him a house to live in inside of the embassy. So he had his own apartment inside of the embassy and he continued to conduct his operations from there. And that was in like 2010, I believe. Back then, 2011 maybe at the latest. He was living in the Ecuadorian embassy all the way until now. He was literally in this one building for almost 10 years of his life. Things began to get strained though. Uh, he actually started to get frustrated at Ecuador, I guess, and he put some things on WikiLeaks about the Ecuadorian president, uh, about how, you know, Snowden, like, so they gave asylum to Julian Assange, but, uh, he, they put on WikiLeaks that they were giving asylum to Edward Snowden too, so Edward Snowden may be just as infamous as Julian Assange. Edward Snowden released a bunch of highly confidential information about how the government was, like, spying on people. Like, he worked for the NSA, the National Security Association or Administration. The NSA is, like, the top covert uh, part of the government that can, like, spy on everyone, basically. And Edward Snowden worked there, and then he kind of released all the information about it and then fled to Russia. Uh, it appeared, maybe, according to WikiLeaks, that Edward Snowden was, like, fleeing out of Russia. He was on a plane, maybe, with the Ecuadorian president. This is all just highly speculation, though. No one knows for sure. But that's what went on WikiLeaks, and then so Ecuador got really mad at Julian Assange, but they didn't throw him out for, like, several years after that. I think that was back in, like, 2016 or so. Uh, so it's been three years since then, but things got strained, apparently. Um, they cut off his internet access, so he was trapped in this one apartment inside of the embassy. If he went outside the embassy, he would have got arrested. Great Britain actually spent millions of pounds on police to stand right there outside the embassy for years and years for, like, this almost... Over five years, they were standing there, and they were also undercover, and they were just waiting for him to step outside or something for whatever reason, but he never did. So they spent millions of pounds just waiting for him to step outside, so he couldn't go outside. And, uh, but, so they cut off his internet, and then apparently Ed, um, Julian Assange, like, hacked the Ecuador, like, embassy. Like, he got, like, a satellite uplink up, and all this is speculation and not confirmed. It's kind of rumors. But apparently he might have hacked uh, through their system to get access to the internet. And then eventually they negotiated a deal to give him access to, like, a limited amount of internet so he could, like, post on Twitter at least or something like that. Uh, ultimately, though, things got even more strained and he was... The president of Ecuador said he was attacking security guards and, uh, in general, like, wore out his welcome. I guess that's kind of expected to have, like, this guy that's highly controversial. Like, the United States really wants to arrest this guy and put him in prison and Ecuador is not an enemy of the United States. They're kind of allies. So you got the United States constantly talking to Ecuador, saying, hey, just give us this guy. You know, we'll give you something in return. So, of course, you know, this couldn't go on forever. And also, in general, Julian Assange was like, you know, it's kind of like he was stuck in a prison cell. So even though he wasn't in prison, I mean, can you imagine this? He's stuck inside one building, basically inside of one room for like almost 10 years. That's basically prison. It's just a little nicer than prison because it's like, you know, he's not in prison, he's in an apartment, but he's stuck there. Can you imagine being stuck in your own house for 10 years? So that's basically what he went through. And things got strained, and now uh, they they called the police in the United Kingdom, and they said, you could have him. 
and he's arrested, and he's probably going to be shipped to the United States. And then uh, I just talked about that story because it's so interesting, and there is a Bitcoin connection. Basically, he is still receiving Bitcoin donations right now, despite the fact that he is definitely arrested in custody. He might not ever get out of custody again. We'll see what happens with that. But yeah, that shows the power of Bitcoin. Someone could be in custody with the police and still receive Bitcoin donations because Bitcoin is decentralized and secure. You could send Bitcoin to anyone. If they have a Bitcoin address, it doesn't matter what condition they're in, you could send it to them. Moving on to the next story. So this company called FX Globe was running a cryptocurrency investment scheme. And just reading the details of their scheme, it's clear that this was a Ponzi scheme. Uh, if you invested over $500, you got a 25% monthly return guaranteed. Over 2000 you get 35%. And then there's several more levels. But if you invest $50,000 or more, you would get 70% monthly return, according to them. But they did not release any details about how they were making so much money. I'm sure they had a couple broad statements like cryptocurrency makes so much money and blah, blah, blah. Even in this huge rally we just saw, no one made 70%. Like, Well, maybe some people did if they were like super duper geniuses and you know they've been doing this for years. But, like, I bet, you know, this company, FX Bit Global, did not, or FX Bit Globe, they probably didn't even make 70%, even in this big rally we saw over the past two weeks, which is about as fast as Bitcoin could go up. Well, anyway, so whenever you see a company promising uh, guaranteed returns, even if it's 1%, it's usually a scam. You cannot guarantee returns in the crypto space. You could do your best to have optimal trading strategies and, like, be really smart and do your best to hedge against loss and stuff. But you can't guarantee profits like that. So he was guaranteeing, or FX Big Globe was guaranteeing, like up to 70% monthly returns for $50,000 or more investment. And another sign that this is a scam is because the more you invest, the more percentage you get. It should be like, if they were legitimate and they really had some sort of groundbreaking thing, it would be like, hey, whatever you invest, you get like, you know, 1% to 2% based on the market conditions. It wouldn't just be like a higher percentage return for each amount that you invest. And usually, in this case, customers will have accounts and they'll see their money growing at the rate that they paid for. So, like, if someone invests $100,000, they'll see it grow to, like, $170,000 in a month in the account. But if they tried to withdraw it, it probably wouldn't work. And this is a Ponzi scheme, so maybe some withdrawals were working. But basically, this sort of scheme pays the withdrawals with the uh, money from new deposits. So people that would make, like, a bunch of money by putting their money in this... Well, first off, they probably wouldn't take their money out because they'd be so excited about making money so quickly and people are kind of greedy. So they'd be like, I'm leaving my money in there. I don't care I made $70,000 a month. I'm going to leave it in there for a year. And then they'll tell all their friends how much money they're making and get all their friends to invest. And then eventually when a bunch of people start to withdraw their money or, you know, just enough people withdraw their money at once so, like, someone doesn't get their money back and then everyone panics and tries withdrawing their money at once but no one can withdraw their money. So the Texas State Security Board has said that FX Big Globe is banned in Texas and they must cease and desist. And I find this very interesting because this is such an obvious Ponzi scheme that's probably stealing lots of money. And all they get is a cease and desist order from Texas. Like, literally, they're probably running across everywhere else in the world right now. And this should totally be a criminal investigation. And maybe that's coming. Maybe there's an indictment coming. Because I can't imagine that they would just literally have a cease and desist order in one state and then let this keep running in the rest of the United States. It's such an obvious scam. Also, FX Big Globe was claiming to have, like, uh, government certification, and they did not. So they had no government certification. They were not compliant with anything, but they were claiming to be totally above board and compliant. And that's another way they tricked their customers into thinking this is real. 
so I guess the moral of this story is literally don't invest your money into a company that guarantees returns like that, especially if the returns are higher and higher the more you invest. They're just trying to get you to put more of your money into it. You're probably not going to get your money out. If you do, you're probably the first person to put your money in the Ponzi scheme and you got lucky, but you got to remember if you're telling all your friends to invest in this and they get scammed, it's kind of your fault. So, yeah, this is just another crypto Ponzi scheme. They're happening to this day and they'll probably be happening forever. I mean, there's Ponzi schemes in fiat too. There's Ponzi schemes everywhere. And FX Big Globe is a Ponzi scheme that's probably still running right now. I didn't look at their website, but they're probably still running right now. And they'll probably take like a Department of Justice indictment in order to get rid of them. Yeah, I'm looking at their website now. It's still there. So people literally to this day, right now as I talk, despite it being so obvious that this is a scam, they could put their money in FX Big Globe and get scammed. So that's unfortunate. Please be very careful of these sort of companies. This is the reason that Google and like Facebook and like Twitter and like Instagram, like they all banned like crypto ads. And there, some of those companies are allowing like Coinbase, like the really legit crypto companies to advertise. But this is why crypto ads in general have been banned across the major social media platforms and search engines. Because most of the crypto ads were actually for Ponzi schemes like this. So someone would be searching cryptocurrency or like buy cryptocurrency, and then they would get like FX Bit Globe. And then they would complain to Google that they got scammed of like their life savings. So. FX Big Globe is not the only one. There's a bunch of companies like this. Once again, the indicators are guaranteed returns that are promised. Uh, the returns are higher and higher the more money you put in it. That's pretty much a Ponzi scheme 100% of the time. That's all I have for you today on this April 11th, 2019 edition of the Crypto.IQ Daily Radio Show. Come back tomorrow for another exciting episode and go to Crypto.IQ 24-7 for the most interesting stories in the Bitcoin and crypto space. Also join the Crypto.IQ trading desk. They have made 314% profit since July in the worst of the bear market. And if you join the Crypto.IQ trading desk, you can see all these trades in real time with a full trading analysis with each trade. So just by reading this trade analysis with each trade that's recommended by the Crypto.IQ trading desk, you could become an expert cryptocurrency trader. But then they even answer all of your questions. So you can ask them questions and they'll answer your questions in real time. So joining the Crypto.IQ trading desk is the best way to become a profitable and expert cryptocurrency trader. This is your host Space Marine signing out. I remain in space.